welcome. I am so glad you're here. I'm your host, Meg Berryman, and you are listening to the Beyond Being Well podcast, a show dedicated to helping women leaders like you take your wellness journey to your wholeness journey and beyond. Join me as we explore relationships, work, money, health, and purpose, and interview the best of the best in women's empowerment so that you can love deeply, expand fully, and contribute to a better tomorrow. So let's get cozy, settle in, and dive straight into the magic. Hello, and welcome back to the Beyond Being Well podcast. I'm so, so thrilled to be talking to you through time and space. The internet is amazing and I'm feeling pretty chipper today because it's a beautiful autumn day here in central Victoria, Australia. The sky is a perfect blue and it's such an incredible contrast between um, the autumn leaves and the blue sky. And it kind of reminds me I've been prepping for um, a brand photo shoot in the coming weeks and in doing that I'm like just really exploring um, what feels good and authentic for me like I'm not interested in portraying a version of me that's not really me and so I've been just playing with like makeup and watching people half my age teach me how to apply makeup on YouTube and that contrast between like blue eyes and copper eyeshadow it's kind of vibing with the sky right now so that's a side note I wanted to um, quickly remind you before we jump into the show and I introduce today's guest that my homecoming winter solstice retreat in June, there's only a couple of rooms left now and the Bring Your Bestie special is still on. The retreat is going to be like the culmination of six years of my own study um, around the nervous system, restorative yoga and landing in our bodies safely and um, really accessing our intuitive guidance and accessing those deeper truths which we can only do when we've like firmly landed in our bodies and firmly grounded with Mother Earth. And it's going to be like an awesome celebration of movement and nature and deep rest and nourishing food and amazing company. And then on the Saturday night, we're going to um, get dressed up and we're going to have like a homecoming celebration of our bodies and ourselves and each other. And if anyone hasn't been on one of my retreats, like they're not normal wellness retreats, they're holistic and they're supportive and they're um, really uh, just a place for you to drop in and get clarity on your next best steps. Don't mind my binging phone, I should have turned that off. Anyway, so jump onto beyondbeingwell.com forward slash retreats if you want more info on that and to grab one of those last spots, I would love to welcome you. I'll also be releasing details in the coming months around um, a Bali retreat and a, another retreat, which is top secret at the moment, but is also in Central Victoria weekend retreat in November. So be sure to jump on my mailing list um, at beyondbeingwell.com so that you get all of those juicy invites. 
If you haven't also heard, my School for Sacred Social Leadership is open and I'm inviting seven women into what I'm calling a beta test of the program, which means that not only are you going to be the first women stepping into that container, but you will be receiving about a third of the price it'll be next year. And this is my most comprehensive curriculum of social change, feminine leadership, yogic philosophy, holistic well-being, and I'm really training um, a new paradigm of leaders, I guess, women leaders who are leading in their homes, with their families, in their communities, in their workplaces and among their peers, and who are crafting and grounding their own sacred social visions. So jump onto beyondbeingwell.com, hit work with me to learn more about that. So announcements aside, I wanted to introduce today's guest, Meredith Rom. And you know those people that you meet and you're like, instantly your whole system is calmed by them? You know, those people really affect me because I am someone who loves a bit of chaos in my system. And so when I meet people like this, and my husband included, my whole body just goes, ah, and I hope that you feel that um, in the call today in this podcast episode. So Meredith Rom is a coach and she is a um, teacher and her mission is to uplift, encourage and inspire awakening women and entrepreneurs to take courageous steps on the path of feminine leadership and we talk about what feminine leadership means to her and we talk about her own journey through challenge and through um, her own voids I guess uh, that enabled her to journey into her own form of leadership She's a self-professed introvert and I wanted to interview her because I wanted to show that you know, leadership doesn't have to look a certain way and feminine leadership allows all of our expressions, whether they be, um, you know, more in the traditional kind of leadership sense of uh, being out there on social media and really visible or just like the quiet leadership that we're performing in our homes and, you know, among our peers. And Meredith really embodies that full approach to feminine leadership. So we talk about her journey and her book and we she shares some tips on the queen archetype and how we can use that energy um, to find more power in our own lives and step into stewardship um, in whatever area we feel called to. So I hope you enjoy the show. Uh, if you want to find out more about her, you can visit her website, which is meredithrom.com. Let's dive in. Meredith Rom, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Meg. It's so lovely um, to have you on the show. And just by way of introducing how I came across your work to our listeners, I've been listening to your podcast for a while and I think I was drawn to it like mainly for the name because of Rising Women Leaders it's so evocative and it's, um, you know, it's women's leadership and also um, spirituality is something that I'm really into. It's my jam. So I was drawn to the, to the kind of name, but then I started listening and seeing your presence online more and felt really drawn to you. And I think your message and your background is, is really similar to mine, but really you bring such a unique 
take to the space and your energy is really one that's really grounded and centered and I think it's um really beautiful what you're doing in the world so we haven't met in person but we'll put it out to the universe that maybe one day that will happen mm. I wanted to start by asking you the question that I ask all my um, podcast guests and that is what is the change you want to see in the world and what do you see your part in that being mm-hmm. yeah what first comes to mind is union and balance between the feminine and the masculine energies. And I feel our culture for a very long time has been really in that more masculine doing, achieving, all the energies related to that that can be pretty detrimental when there's not the balance of the feminine. Because the feminine is all about resting and receiving, allowing, accepting, holding. And when we think about what's happening to Mother Earth right now, it's this energy that's so out of balance of being in the masculine, of being in the um, focusing on the achievement and the money and the things that need to happen without really looking at what we're doing to our planet. And so I, th- I really believe that bringing, when we look within and we start healing within and finding our own balance and our inner union within, that's going to reflect on our culture and our society and the world and our systems and how we're treating the earth. And there's going to be a, this huge shift. And I feel like it's happening. It's, it, it is happening. More and more people are waking up to this. Um, we're being... Yeah, having to be patient in it. And I feel like my part is helping people do the inner healing work, helping people heal their own traumas, heal the parts of themselves that don't feel worthy or the parts of themselves where they feel like they have to push and force and make things happen and to come back more into that inner union and that balance because when we are fully whole and integrated within ourselves, then we're going to naturally be reflecting that and the people around us and the ways that we treat the earth. So that that's what came to mind first. And of course, there are other things that I love supporting women with. But when I think of the bigger picture and why I do this work, it's that devotion to the rising feminine. It's that devotion to us all coming into that inner balance and wholeness I love that so much and I just I you know it brings me to my knees and I remember what we're doing here and how important it is and when you frame it so beautifully like that I love what you said about patience and how it's taking time but it's happening and I and I feel the same but it's like sometimes we expect change to happen like overnight and this is intergenerational like change you know this is um a long time coming and and it's not going to happen overnight and so I really thank you for that reminder that sometimes we just need to trust and have faith a little bit that that it is happening 
Meredith, I'm really interested to hear like how you came to this work and whether you had your own internal kind of rebalancing and awakening of the feminine and whether you could share with the listeners just whatever you feel called to about that journey this morning. Yes, yes, I did. And I, I wasn't even thinking of it in this context, but it was very much that out of balance place within myself. So as many people do, I grew up um, going to school, getting into college, and then thinking that when I got out of college, I would get a good job and I would just continue in that system and have a family and buy a house and do all the things that were kind of laid out for me in my society and what I saw my parents and all the people around me doing. So when I got through college, I was at the end of college in my last year and really starting to ask what was next, a few things started happening. And the first was that I started having a lot of chronic pain in my body. And that would look like headaches and jaw tension. And even this this muscle tightness pain that would go down one whole side of my body. Generally, it would be on the right side, which interestingly, it's related to the masculine. And I, I went to a great college. I was at NYU in New York City. Um, and the culture there was very much, I mean, especially New York City was uh, staying up late, drinking coffee, like studying for tests. Um, partying on the weekends, all of that I was immersed in. And when when I would start to feel that out of balance place or like there was emotions that I had to feel, often I would go to numbing them out. So my drug of choice at that time was sugar. And so I would just go to like having the ice cream and the desserts and all the things that um, actually were really not good for my body. And I started getting really out of balance. I started getting acne and that led to me feeling really insecure. Um, The body pain and the jaw tension, I think, was also really related to not fully expressing myself, not fully being on my creative path. And at that time, I felt really afraid, really, really afraid of sharing my voice, like to the point of even being in a small classroom, the thought of introducing myself would just be terrifying. And I would, my chest would constrict and I feel like I wouldn't have the words. And there was just all this inner sense of um, wanting to hide, wanting to escape, wanting to, and not really being able to be honest about that or having a community to turn to um, at that time. And and at the same time, I was asking a lot of questions because here I was like following everything to a T, getting, you know, about to graduate from college and it was 2010. So it was the economic downturn time. And there were a lot of places that were just simply not hiring. And so when I was going out into the world and applying for jobs, um, nothing was coming through. And that again, you know, reflected on what's what's wrong with me? Am I not enough? All of those uh, beliefs and fears were coming up. And At that time, what really started to shift for me was, one, I feel like my body was 
giving me signals. It was like something is out of balance here. Something needs to shift. What's really at the root? And I had a friend take me to my first yoga class. And in that yoga class, I remember being in pigeon posts and feeling like that class is so hard. Every pose, you're just like, oh my God, there's so much intensity in my body. Really, can I go there? But for the first time, hearing the teacher say, breathe into the sensation, allow yourself to go into the feeling. I started to breathe there and to feel it. And I can remember that pigeon pose and my first time, like really not trying to escape my body anymore or to escape my pain or my insecurity, but to go into the physical discomfort that I was feeling and to hold myself there and to not have to change it and to not have to fix it. And that I think really was actually my first experience with the feminine, knowing what the feminine was, the holding, the loving, the accepting without that need to fix or change. And it was through that space that I began to heal and I began to open up into relief in my body and having that little bit of relief in my body began to lead to discovering my intuition. And I think in our culture, one of these things that's out of balance is that we are so quick to numb, so quick to numb ourselves, whether that's through alcohol, through drugs, through prescription pills, through sugar, through watching television, or any of the things that social media that can take us away from our experience. So going into the feeling was really what opened up that space of my intuition. And I started going back to yoga again and again, and just knowing that that was going to be my new medicine. Um, because at the time I had been going to doctors and trying to figure out what was happening in my body. And they did, couldn't find anything to put their finger on of what was happening. All the MRIs and the tests came back normal. So their suggestion was maybe try muscle relaxants or antidepressants or painkillers. And I tried those a little bit um, at the beginning, but quickly felt like this, this isn't helping. This isn't getting at the root here. And I threw those away and started going to my yoga practice. Um, and it was in the yoga room, lying in Shavasana, that I started to have these new visions of my life. And I thought, wow, this is the first time in my life no one is telling me what to do. I have complete and total freedom. I have some money saved up from uh, gifts from graduating, and I had a part-time job at that time. So I was like, I could go anywhere. I could do anything. And I really think it was taking that space to connect to my intuition to even get to that place. But then to also, when I started to tell people about my ideas, because the first idea that came was move to California, try something totally new, go to San Francisco. And my mom had gone to college on the West Coast. And so I had heard stories from her. It was always in the back of my mind as this dream that I would love to experience. Um, so... I opened up to that dream and started sharing about it. And my roommate at the time was like, yeah, go for it. You know, what's the worst that could happen? You go out there, 
maybe get a sublet for a month. And if you don't like it, you can always come home. And so that's what I did. I found a place to live in San Francisco. I knew I could at least live out there for a month while I figured out what was next. And I found this artist collective in the mission. Um, and I remember being on that airplane with my one-way ticket, my one suitcase packed, and just feeling so free. Like, first time of my life really feeling like I have... I am making my own choices. I'm not a victim to my circumstances. I can go anywhere, do anything that I want, and really started to believe in that. It was 10 days after being in San Francisco that a man came up to me in a park and said, I don't know why I feel the need to tell you this, but I'm going to see a saint this weekend. Her name is Amma. She's a guru from India. She travels around the world giving people hugs. And if you have any inclination to go, I feel like it could be really amazing for you. And I was just like, what is this? This doesn't happen to me. Oh, this random stranger coming up in the park. But something inside was just like, listen, there's something here for you. And I had already been really curious about my spiritual path and studying yoga and curious about maybe going to India at some point and I decided to go and I remember going to this temple um, in the East Bay and walking in and feeling the sense of the chai and the the sounds of the singing and the people that were celebrating and it was just like this big wake up that this is what spirituality is for me this this celebration seeing spirituality as this community and joy and love and this teacher up on the stage giving people hugs it was just so different from what I had grown up with um, in a more Christian church upbringing and I had my hug that night a beautiful experience of presence and um, devotion and in the months that came after that, I really felt called to become a yoga teacher and then to travel to India. And I did go to India. I was there for six months. The first place that I went to was Amma's ashram in the south. I stayed there for a month and um, practiced seva and yoga and the selfless service and was studying and was able to meet other spiritual teachers on my journey. But when I came back, it felt like the next big step for me was to write a book about what I had learned during that time. The, the journey of listening to my intuition, taking those courageous steps. Um, so that's a little bit of where I've been and how I came to be here. And after being in India, and it took seven years to go from the idea of the book to completion, but it was published in 2017. Um, and during that, those seven years, I also had to figure out making money and starting my own business and figuring out a way that I could be of service in the world through sharing the teachings that were so important to me and, and I was able to you know, through becoming a coach 
through leading workshops and women's circles and retreats. And that's what I've been doing, um, starting the podcast, all of that for the last, yeah, like seven or eight years now. Thank you for sharing. It's like there's so much um, similarities in the heroine's journey, isn't there? Like it's like we all have these symptoms and then the initiations and then the coming out the other side you know clients and friends and peers like we've all been through the really similar but also really personalized like ring of fire (laughs) in a way and I just love the color and depth that you shared there because there's so many aspects to it which um you highlighted like the time like seven years it's not something that these things again they don't change overnight necessarily but what really struck a chord and I want to go deeper on is this idea of leadership and service because um that's what I think a lot of my listeners are feeling called to bring out of themselves or to recognize in themselves I guess and express in the world so what do you think a leader is to you like what does leadership mean to you now having been on that journey Mm -hmm. yeah it is one who is willing to be of the highest service because in a lot of ways being a leader is very vulnerable It's so vulnerable to put yourself out there and to be the face of something and um, to stand for your beliefs and to potentially put yourself out there for projection and attack and all the things that can happen to our leaders. I mean, look at what happens in the U.S. at least when someone runs for president. It's just like crazy the amount of... um, projection and attack and you know mean things that are said about the people that really step up to lead and so I think it first and foremost it is one who has a deep deep calling to serve and that there is something they see in the world that they themselves feel like there's something unique to them that they can give back and help and it's those moments of when we actually help someone in that, that it's like, that makes it all worth it. Mm. And I also am seeing that the more that, um, that I believe that it's safe, like that other stuff doesn't really come as much like the projection and, you know, the other things that can be hard about leadership, but also it can, when you care so much about the vision and the world you want to create, it doesn't affect you as much. You learn to let that go, to let that slide off your shoulders. Um, so yeah, so a simple definition I would use is just one who feels called to serve, one who is connected to a vision and a dream, something bigger than themselves that they want to be in devotion to and that they're willing to stand up for and to be a teacher for and to give back to others who are maybe feeling lost or need support along the way Mm. and I I think that if you take that definition like we all have a vision but there's varying degrees of how we've 
being separated from it or there's varying degrees of I think what we believe we're capable of contributing to in that vision and so like from from where I sit I feel like we're all leaders in some way it's just that that part may not have been expressed and I think sometimes maybe talking about feminine leadership and I know you've done like some archetypal work as well can help women leaders particularly understand that leadership doesn't necessarily look like what we see on the television necessarily right it can but there's this whole other realm of like feminine gifts that we can bring to leadership do you want to expand a little bit on like what comes to mind when I'm talking about yeah. that more feminine leadership yeah yeah I mean one thing that came to mind was a mother mm. a mother being there for her child or her children that is leadership being there to serve and to create and to teach with um with those that are a little you know for someone who's a little bit further along the path and can show the way mm. um so it can take on so many forms it can take on um supporting friends it can su take on supporting your family it could su take on being seeing something in your community that you want to create or give back in some way um, and then feminine leadership, yeah, I think a lot of the the ideal, this what we see on TV and different things of what leadership might be is really different than the paradigm, the new paradigm that we're creating as women coming into their feminine leadership. And men too could also be coming into more into this. And for me, that looks like really honoring self-care. And knowing that that's important to be of service and knowing when to rest, knowing to how to fill yourself up so that when you stand up to give and to lead, that you have a full cup. Um, so there are different ways to think about that leadership. And I myself am a much more gentle uh, person. And I remember when I first started teaching yoga, I had such a quiet voice and at the same time like that can really command attention too mm -hmm. it's like you don't have to be this masculine model of what it has to be to be a leader I've made a huge impact just being myself and seeing like wow I actually don't have to um, become more masculine just to take the stand or the stage or the presence of other people. So it's really about being yourself and creating more space for those feminine qualities of allowing, being, and receiving, and uh, the gentleness as well. Mm, I love that. I, and I love what you said about like being you. And that's like that to me is a rebellious act of leadership these days like particularly mm -hmm. as women to be asked to take up space to command um attention you know even if it's in a more introverted way or the expression mm -hmm. is more introverted it's it's really a courageous leadership act to be ourselves and i think that really like when it comes down to it being a leader 
is often just being ourselves and in doing so we give others permission to do that. I wanted to ask, I know you've been doing some work with the Queen archetype and it kind of relates to this conversation. Are you able to share um, your journey with that archetype and maybe for those who, who haven't worked with them, like what an, what that what an archetype is and how it can help us to um, express those parts of ourselves. Yeah, yeah. So archetypes are different embodiments that we can call into our own being. So an archetype could be anything from more general, like a mystic, um, or it could be very specific, like. Um, Isis or Mary Magdalene or Mother Mary. Um, so those those archetypes of beings who may have actually existed on earth, but um, embody certain qualities that we can call upon for different needs that we may have in our life. So one of them that I have been working with is the archetype of the queen. And when we think of a queen, we probably imagine, you know, a woman on a throne with a crown. And um, what I really think about the queen that can support us is I see the queen as a woman who knows that she's powerful and she says yes to her power because when she does that, she knows she can be of such greater service to the people she is here to serve. So just in that, that helped me so much with my journey of um, being seen and heard and speaking up and giving workshops and giving talks because that was really scary for me. But to realize that the intensity of feeling I might be feeling in my body beforehand is actually my power and that the queen is one who says yes to that and uses that to fuel her mission (laughs) That made that totally turned it around for me, and and to even call upon her that quality that embodiment um, before I need to get up and teach a class or do something in my work that scares me or have a difficult conversation, I can really hold that energy. So I have uh, twelve qualities of the queen. I'll just go ahead and share them now of what I really see as this embodiment and how it's been helping me. Um, The first is that she knows herself. She is sovereign, boundless, and free. The second is she is not afraid of her power. She knows she's powerful. She says yes to it. And then the third is she uses that power in service to her people. So some of the others are, she does not make herself small for others to feel comfortable. She's willing to be big, to take up space, um, and she uses that space to inspire and activate others. She knows what she stands for, and she lives in alignment and integrity with it. She values who she is. And she owns her unique brilliance. She knows that she is a piece of the puzzle and has something to give back. Um, She also knows she's not perfect. And it's okay if she makes mistakes. She's willing to learn from those lessons. 
And she's also willing to take responsibility, um, to own up when she needs to, and also to forgive herself. She's not one to hold this grudge or guilt over herself or punish herself, but rather like see where she wants to take responsibility and then to forgive herself and to move forward. Um, she comes from a place of abundance rather than lack. She's willing to see and believe in an abundant world. And that can also really help with collaboration and seeing that there is enough for everyone. Uh, she practices fierce self-care. She takes supreme care of herself because from that place, she knows she will have so much more to give. And with that supreme self-care, she knows she also needs to hold boundaries around that and to be able to, to hold and to know her boundaries so that she is really filled up and can be of the highest service in the ways that she knows how to. Hmm. It's like when, you know, when we can use archetypes or goddesses or whatever um, embodiment or collective um, group of qualities or attributes that we're working with or expressing or trying to illuminate at the time, it's like falling in love, you know, and when you describe the queen, it's like, oh, like I can just <laughs> fall in love with that archetype, you know, that expression and all of those qualities that you've, ex that you've shared. Um, and I think that really sums up like what we're describing as feminine leadership or as women leaders in the social space, particularly. I'm really glad that you brought up this idea around self-care because I feel like service just the connotations around that word can be still so tied up in the projections of martyrdom and needing to be resourceless in order to serve others. And I'd love to hear um, how you practice that for yourself, including like things you do outside the business and your work, which just bring you sheer joy and therefore energy and, and act as your forms of self-care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, one of the first things that came to mind was honoring our worth. Like, I think there's so many different facets of our own self-care and self-love and taking care of ourselves. But one of the things that came to mind was um, when I started a business and was just getting started, like, I didn't charge very much for my services and realizing that over time, actually in order to be of that highest service and to feel an integrity and to feel an alignment that's one of the ways that we can really honor ourselves is um, charging our worth and being willing to hold firm to those boundaries and knowing that um, that we are valuable and that we have a lot to share and the way that my life is set up right now is like the clients that I'm seeing feels so good to show up fully for them because of that exchange mm -hmm. and also it supports me in a way where I don't need to be seeing 10 clients a day five days a week you know mm -hmm. it's like I have the space and the time to really honor the self-care and to practice what I preach um, so that's one way that we can honor it and then of course, there are all the ways of just um, 
bubble baths and healthy food and uh, the things that really nourish us and light us up. And one of the things I like to think about with self-care is romancing ourselves. Mm. Like, what would it look like to be in relationship with yourself and to want to court yourself and to be loving to yourself? And actually, I think self-care is a huge pathway to self-love. So if you know that you're someone that is having negative thoughts about yourself or being down on yourself or um, sometimes just taking the really simple, tangible action steps of, I'm going to prepare a nice dinner for myself tonight and I'm going to set the table and really take my time to eat it and enjoy every bite. And maybe I'm going to... Um, have some raspberries after just because like you know something that just feels so indulgent and loving and uh beautiful and then maybe i light some candles and have this luxurious bath before going to bed um and i imagine some people might think oh gosh i don't have the time for that or but it's really um that's that's the paradigm we're shifting that service can be self-honoring service can be what lights ourselves up and that we um, when we have the energy to give to it um, something else just came to mind with service is is sometimes I, I uh, connect with people who are only receiving information and they know they have um they know they have things they want to share in the world, but they're scared to put it out there. And so instead, or maybe they have an idea that um, I don't have enough experience or I don't have enough trainings or I don't have, you know, sometimes the biggest thing we can do for self-care is um, putting ourselves out there, being willing to be of service or knowing that we only need to be a few steps ahead of the person that we want to help. So having a balance of how much we're inputting and how much we're outputting so that there can be a sense of honoring our purpose, honoring our soul, honoring the mission that we came here to make. And, you know, even just more ideas, self-care coming up, like our taking courageous steps is self-care. Mm. Like it wasn't easy when I decided to make that, shift to fly across the country I needed to have support and I needed to um, have a lot of faith but like when we receive the intuitive guidance when we start listening to our bodies and feeling our feelings and receive the intuitive guidance we have to follow through with the guidance that we're given mm -hmm. and that is sometimes scary <laughs> but it's really important in order to give back in the way that we want to mm -hmm. mm. yeah it's um so many things as you were talking like just so much truth you know i think that seeing listening to the intuitive guidance as a radical form of self-care you know it just strikes me when you talk like how crazy it is that we have to teach ourselves how to be in relationship to ourselves and each other and how we need to teach ourselves or reteach ourselves or remember how it is that we can listen. And it's almost like in that culture of um, consuming and doing, 
like we've forgotten the importance of having that relationship with ourselves above and beyond the needs of others and I think it's just there's so much wisdom in um, sitting like you said before sitting in the discomfort and listening to that discomfort and feeling it but using that as fuel and power as opposed to thinking that that feedback is a reason not to do it would you be able Mm -hmm. to expand on that a little like that idea of feeling it but using that as your power like you did when you were going in to teach workshops when you didn't feel really comfortable doing that like how do people start to do that because they really feel like we need to clear up this misconception that those feelings mean we shouldn't do something Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've definitely struggled with that too. Of like feeling afraid, I'm feeling afraid about something. Maybe that means I shouldn't do it. <laughs> and uh, so, what I like to say when it ter- when it comes to fear, if you're feeling afraid and a little bit of excitement, that means that you're ready. Mm-hmm. That means that go for it. If you're feeling total fear and terror about something you might need some support before doing anything you might need to really just be in that feminine resting loving honoring space for a while and that's totally okay Um, and when it comes to just discomfort I think that the discomfort is where we find the most growth Mm -hmm. and so when it comes to our body, like if we're having discomfort in our body, if we can hold ourselves in that discomfort and really be with it and not need to fix or change it and hold it, that is such beautiful medicine. And that might be exactly what we need to be that mother for ourselves. I love telling my clients, like, you're in charge here. You don't have to go any faster than is um comfortable for you and to go at your own pace and I also work a lot with EFT tapping Mm -hmm. so when we land on a fear or something that feels terrifying and uncomfortable and we don't know how to move ahead um, we can use the tapping which is a it's a meridian system little taps on different meridian points that can help Tell the subconscious and the amygdala part of the brain that you're safe, it's okay, you can process this now, you can feel this, you can move the emotions. Um, yeah, for example, I worked, I like to think of like when it comes to birthing our big dreams and the things we want to create in the world, that it should be easeful, it mm-hmm. should be fun and exciting and joyful. And if we're coming against those edges that feel so hard and uncomfortable and that there's usually a little girl inside, an inner child who's putting the brakes on and is like, no way, don't make me go there. I'm not going. And so if you hold and love that part of yourself, and particularly I use the tapping a lot with that too, you can validate your feelings and where you're at and all the parts of you that are not on board and you can learn from them and understand them. And then once that is more integrated, it will start to feel more easeful. Mm. 
I had a client last week who was given an opportunity to speak in front of a group just for a two minute um, to speak on a topic that was of interest to her. And, and all the alarm bells were going off inside. Don't do it. Don't go. And even though she wanted to do it, she woke up the morning and said, um, I can't, I, I can't go. And in, in our session, we worked with the little girl inside who had decided at some point in her life that what I have to say doesn't matter or I don't matter. And once we began to reframe that belief with the tapping and with this other modality, I used uh, matrix re-imprinting. When we finished that session, I was like, how do you feel about going up to speak now? And for her, it was just like, no problem. I'm, mm. I'm so excited and ready. Um, so sometimes we need to slow down and really honor the parts of ourselves that need attention. And that goes with the pushing and um, the not pushing and forcing. So noticing when we are getting into a place of pushing and forcing and how that doesn't generally feel good. And to take that step back and to look, okay, what needs to be acknowledged here? What needs to be loved? What needs to be honored? And then there's this balance of the feminine and the masculine. Mm -hmm. And so when you go out to take a courageous step, yeah, you might have to have some trust and some faith. And like there should be some excitement there. Yeah. You're probably a little bit excited of what that outcome will be of getting it up in front of that group. So once you're in that place, then it feels joyful. Then it feels uh, loving and supportive to take that step. Mm. It just, you know, it's like that that idea that there's so much more time, like there is time and expanding into that notion of like time and there's not, you don't have to be urgent and there isn't this like drive because one thing we know is that um, the soul's calling or your intuition or whatever you want to describe that as will keep coming right like I remember in the early days of my business and I'd be like all the things like railing against it like this is I can't do this and like but I would keep coming back right like I would keep coming back and keep coming back and keep sitting down and doing the work and even though there was all this storm of stuff and projections and fears the things that we keep coming back to like the ideas and the um and the concepts and the conversations and like they're all just invitations so whatever we don't work through at the time because we might not feel ready or we don't have the modality or the support or it's just not time like it'll keep coming back is that your experience yeah. too yes that, that little tapping on the shoulder of here i am i'm ready like mm. that that thing that wants to be birthed through you or that thing that is continuing to um, to just tap on your shoulder lovingly, saying, I'm still here when you're ready. And this, this actually makes me think of um, a few tips that I like to give people when they're, when they're feeling scared about birthing their big dream or the thing that they feel called to do or the step they really wanted to take in the world. And sometimes I just suggest to people, because this really helped me when I was writing my book and thinking about birthing my book in the world 
that felt super vulnerable. It was my memoir, my personal story. I knew I would have to be more in the public eye. I did a whole uh, fundraising campaign. So there's just a lot of pieces that felt scary in that in the publishing process. Um, so I came up with a few tips that really helped me through. And the first one was, and it was really about taking the pressure off, because the first one was, I simply desire to learn about this process. Mm. I'm curious to learn how to write a book, to just be in the learning journey and like taking the pressure off of it needing to be this huge bestseller, but like, I'm just going to keep showing up with curiosity and learning in this journey and how do you write a book and, and approaching it from that place of um, wonder and curiosity. Um, I also, I kept coming back to, I long to honor this divinely guided idea that felt like it chose me and was asking me to birth it. So that was the tapping on the shoulder that that's why it took so many years. It was like, I put it, I put it aside. I put it on the shelf. That's probably not going to happen, at least not now. But then it would come back again, tapping on the shoulder. Are you ready? And to me, that came to me through dreams. I actually had a dream where after I had really given up on the idea of writing a book, where I opened a drawer and took a book out of the drawer and was flipping through the pages. And it was of a woman's travels. And I realized this was the book that I was supposed to write. And I didn't do it yet. And uh, I woke up from that dream really committed and willing. And even though I had no idea how, I just like set a really clear intention to the universe. This is a divinely guided idea that has chosen me and I want to follow it through. Please show up. Please, um, spirit source, provide the resources I need. And then the third thing that really helped me was if I could even help just one person through this, that would be enough. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and to really take the pressure off of like, if I write this book and I have a child one day and that child gets to read it, like that's enough. Mm. <laughs> and of course the book ended up reaching many more hands and helping many more people. But when you come up against the fear and the self-doubt and the crit inner critic voices, to just tell yourself that, you know, this doesn't need to be that big thing. Even if you're just doing this for one person, who would that person be? How could you help them? Really takes the pressure off. Mm -hmm. Oh, so much. I could just keep having this conversation all day because there's so many things in what you say that are like operating on different levels you know like you there's this depth as well there with with all of the wisdom that you shared that I could just keep diving into but for um our listeners who you know have um time constraints and are moving on to something else we're going to finish our conversation here but I just wanted to say thank you so much for sharing so openly your processes and your wisdom and your experiences and your leadership um, I've really loved the conversation and I would love you to share where people can find more about you and your book and your work in the world. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so the book is called Just Be, 
a search for self-love in India, and that is on Amazon, and you can either search for my name or um, the title of the book, and my website is my name, MeredithBrom.com, so people can read blog posts, find the podcast, all of that, um, and the podcast, it's on all the places where podcasts are found, and it's called Rising Woman Leaders, and there's so much amazing content and, and interviews um, and personal teachings that I share that are supportive for women stepping on this path, women coming into their courage and into their leadership in a way that is really honoring of the feminine. Thank you so much. There is so much great content there. And made, like, aren't podcasts amazing? I just love the, <laughs> the age that we get to live in. It's really phenomenal. Um, just to finish off, I always like to um, bring our attention back to like what's going well and I think it's this feminine you know switch as well of like not focusing on what we can fix or punish or move away from so in your life like what's something that you are celebrating right now that's going really well or that feels really good <laughs> oh so many things <laughs> um I'll just choose one <laughs> my relationship is feeling really, really good. And I actually got married last September, and we're celebrating our six-month wedding anniversary on the spring equinox. Um, so it's just a couple days away, and that is feeling really nourishing and loving and supportive in my life. And we've definitely um, come up to against our own edges in the seven years that we've been together. And we have really taken relationship as a spiritual path and been willing to uh, see the mirror, see the places in ourselves that wish to be loved and honored and to grow together. So that is something that I'm celebrating. And thank you for asking. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing. And I've been with my husband the same seven years and yeah, mm -hmm. the edges and how they're pathways for growth I just always it's so profound um so thank you for bringing me back to that place of like in the midst of child rearing like there is such beauty in conscious um consciously walking that path together Meredith Braun thank you so much for being on the podcast today and I really hope to connect again soon thank you